sometimes it's good just to laugh, but it, this, I showed this video just to help us get a mindset of, of, of what we're talking about today. Uh, the passage we're going to do, like, can I do all things? The passage we're going to look at is Philippians 4, 10 through 14. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now as at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you have done well to share with me in my affliction. Let's pray. Dear guys, thank you for this time. Thank you for the words that you've given me, the, the message you've given me in my heart. Thank you for teaching me these things. I ask that you just help me uh, share your word. Help me, give me the words to say. Give us the ears to hear and the hearts to learn. Help us in this time. Give us strength. In praise Jesus' name, amen. So, just like Carl was like, oh, I can jump off the roof and fly because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I feel like a lot of us take that passage, that verse, out of its context. And, and, I, and I was in the same boat. One time at camp, I was working at camp. This was after college. Uh, I had to go through a few certifications, one to be a lifeguard and one to do high ropes and low ropes certification for the camp. And yes, I became a lifeguard. Big guys can be lifeguards too. We're pretty good flotation devices. So, um, <laughs> But... I also say that because life, I, I, lifeguarding was very boring. So if you're swimming at the Evans, thank your lifeguards. Say thank you for this very tedious task. It is boring to scan people in the pool. Anyways, off topic. But anyways, <laughs> one of my greatest fears in life is heights. I'm terrified of heights. And so when it came to the high rope certification, if you don't know what high ropes is, it's basically these cables that are usually like 30, 40 feet in the air that people climb and do like challenges to get through. And then they usually zip line or climb a rock wall and that kind of stuff. That's high ropes. We went through training. I was terrified. I'm like, ah, how am I going to get through this? How am I going to be certified in doing high ropes high in the air? Because I'm terrified of it. One part of the certification test was climbing a 40-foot telephone pole and then taking a pulley system, setting up the pulley system on a cable so people can climb. And just looking at it, I'm like, oh, man, it's terrifying. As I was waiting in line for my turn, I'm praying, God, give me the strength to conquer my fear because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. As I came to the pole, every step I took, I repeated that. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Every step, every loose peg I had to pull <laughs> onto, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And would you believe it? I didn't get certified. <laughs> I got up about 10, 15 feet in the air, and I almost blacked out. I, I freaked out. I hugged the pole, and, and my, my uh, grappling thing actually got stuck, and so I even made it worse. <laughs> I was like, I'm stuck on the pole. Anyways, as I got down, I, I detached, and then I sort of had to take a walk with me and God. And I said, God, why? Where were you in this situation? See, we might not be as goofy as Carl, like, I can fly if I jump off the roof. But we might have taken that verse. We might have memorized it at Awana or, or as kids. And you got, might have got to that point. You went through something. It's like, God, where were you? Why didn't you strengthen me in this situation? 
And that's when we're taking it out of context, <laughs> what the message Paul really wanted to teach to the Philippians. Because context is important. See, it's not, more, it's not making it more Christ will help me succeed in everything I do. Paul is more talking about being content in that time. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to look through this passage, Philippians 4, 10 through 14. So I encourage you to open your Bibles if you have them. Um, it's in the New Testament. It's before Colossians, after Ephesians. So we're going to start at verse 10. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. This passage help us, helps us understand the heart of the people in, the, in, in Philippi, the Philippians, who this letter is written to. See, they were a group of people that Paul ministered to, shared the gospel, and they were on fire for the gospel. So they, they gathered together and met. They were a group that were constantly blessing Paul's ministry with money and items that he needed to continue spreading the gospel throughout. We see that in verses 15 and 16. You yourselves also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving but you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent a gift more than once for my needs. Sort of interesting. No other church that Paul ministered to was, was willing to give as much as the Philippians. It's an interesting thought. But that's what, who Paul was writing to, this Philippian church, because at this time, Paul was in prison. And the Philippians found out, so they sent gifts through this amazing person. It's hard to pronounce his name, but I'm going to do my best. Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus came, gave gifts to Paul in prison, and Paul wanted to write this letter back to them. We see that in verse 18. For I have received everything in full and have in an abundance. I am amply supplied. Having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent, a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. So the hearts of the Philippians was to bless Paul in all that they could do. Like I said in verse 10, there was, there was times that they weren't able to bless Paul, and Paul was okay. He's like, I'm glad that you're concerned for me again, that you're able to support me and, and help me out. So we know the heart of the Philippians, but where's Paul right now? Paul's in prison. And I did some research to see what was prison like back then, because it's different than prison today. Prison back then meant being in darkness a lot. They didn't have windows. They didn't, really have, they didn't really want to put a lot of money into like light lamps and that kind of stuff for them. So when it was dark, it was dark. They were barely given enough food to function, enough to pretty much live, but not enough to have like a lot of energy to do anything. They were usually only had one piece of clothing that was pretty much falling apart from being beaten or hooked up to the rusty chains. So they basically had nothing, and it was a pretty harsh situation. So prisoners would rely on food, clothing, hygiene, brought by friends and families to survive during these hard times in prison. So this church heard he was in prison and wanted to take part in being the friend in the family to Paul and say, we want to give you the food, the clothing. We want to support you in this time of prison. We want to help you out. So they sent the gifts. 
because they wanted him to continue in his mission for Christ, spreading the gospel. So why was Paul in prison? Well, he was in prison for spreading the gospel that Jesus Christ was God and died and rose again for our sins and that we can have eternal life when we have faith in him. He was spreading that around. People didn't like the message, so they sent him to prison. That's the short story. If you want to read, you can read Acts for the longer story. <laughs> but that's why he was there. It wasn't like he did anything bad. So, Paul's in prison. The Philippian church sends him gifts through Epaphroditus. Sorry. And Paul, being blessed, wanted to write a letter back to the Philippians. If you were the Philippians and you knew the letter was coming back to you, what do you think Paul would have wrote in the letter? It's possible they might have been thinking, maybe he's going to write about maybe more things he needs. Hey, I, I, I like this food. I need some more food. Maybe it'd be like, hey, I don't have a lot of clothes. Could you send clothes? It could be, maybe they were thinking the letter was going to have a whole bunch of how miserable it was for him there, how rough prison life was. Maybe they thought, maybe it was going to be Paul saying, pray for, for God to take me out of this situation. Maybe they thought it was going to be complaining about just the whole situation, why he was put in prison. That's what I would probably have thought if I gave blessing to someone and they wrote back to me. I'd be like, oh, it's probably just their whole situation, but it's the opposite of what Paul wrote. Paul wrote in his letter the joys he has in prison. It shares about how Paul was still bold for the gospel and how he was able to share Christ with the guards and how he's able to encourage the Christian prisoners to be bold, to continue in their faith with Christ. And it was how Paul, it was a letter about how Paul had everything he needed because of Jesus Christ. It's a pretty cool letter, and I would encourage you to read it. It's only four chapters long. I encourage you to sit down and read the whole thing, because that's how the Philippians would have read it. They would have read it all at once, not one chapter a day type of thing. And you can see the joy that Paul had in prison. So let's go back to the passage. We got to the context of where we are in verse 10. So verse 11. Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am in. So this is now a letter writing back saying, this is what I need. I need more food. I need more clothing. I need more of this. I need more prayer. Because... He's learned to be content in whatever circumstance he's in. I want to stop there because there's one word that stood out to me. The word learned. I looked it up in the, the, the Greek, in Manthano, and I looked at the definition. It means to learn by use and practice or to be in the habit of or accustomed to. That's interesting. So it's not like he just was born content it wasn't that when he became a Christian, he was already content. He learned to be content because of all his experiences. He was taught this by being put in situations to teach him. When I read this, this definition, a thought came to my mind. A mission trip that I went on when I was in college. We were going to go to Chinle, Arizona, and we were going to do VBS at a church. We were going to help out of the hospital, and we were going to do a whole bunch of different uh, ministry opportunities there. During our last meet, one of our last meetings, our leader prayed, God, let our plans fail so your plans can succeed. Wait, why did you pray that? <laughs> why 
we spent, <laughs> we spent like months planning, training, getting, figuring out what we were going to do there. And all of a sudden you're praying, let our plans fail. Well, guess what? Our plans failed. <laughs> and God's plans succeeded. Things went wrong. Uh, things that we wanted to do fell through when we got there. Things that we packed were gone or left behind or lost at the airport, you know, how airlines are. Things went wrong with our vehicles. As soon as we got there, they gave us the wrong vehicles or things were messed up with the vehicles they gave us. Things messed up with technology, with the heat in the church. We were coming from Minnesota. We were going to Arizona during spring break. So we're like, as Minnesotans, we're like, it's going to be warm. It's going to be nice. It snowed that week. <laughs> it was cold. <laughs> and the church heater was broken. So we suffered in that. We even got stranded for three days in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and one day in Colorado Springs as we were making our way back. Our plans failed, but God's plan succeeded. We learned to keep our eyes open to what he was doing in that, that area. When we got there, we didn't know this, but there was a group uh, from a university in, in Arizona that was there to build houses for people in that area. It was one of the poorest uh, cities in the nation at that point. And so we heard about that, and we're like, well, this plan fell through. Let's go to the grocery store, buy some hot dogs. We'll cook up some hot dogs for them. It was about like, I think, 50, 60 students. Let's cook up some hot dogs for them, go out there, feed them for lunch, and we'll just pray for them, bless them. It wasn't a Christian college. It wasn't a Christian university. It was just a normal university. And so we were able to do that. And it was awesome. It was a good experience. We, we liked it so much that we went again. <laughs> and just, just prayed for them, encouraged them, helped them out in whatever they needed. But we wouldn't have been able to do that if our plans didn't fail and God's plans succeeded. So we learned to keep our eyes open. But we also really learned never to pray that prayer again. (laughs) (laughs) But in reality, we learned through use and practice. We asked God, God, let your plan succeed. And God brought a situation for his plan to succeed and ours to fail. We learned by practice, the Manthano practice. So how did God learn to be content in whatever circumstance he was in? It was through practice. We see it in verse 12. I know how to get along with humble needs or humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. Paul practiced being content in every circumstance that was brought to him when he was with and when he was without. Sometimes we have to stop and think about being content. I don't know if Paul prayed a prayer, you know, God teach me to be content. <laughs> I don't know, we don't have that. But Paul needed to learn this lesson, how to be content in times, because he was, uh, he was going out doing ministry, spreading the gospel for Christ. And when we read that the Philippian church was really one of the only churches pretty much to support him financially, he had to learn to be content, and to keep on spreading the gospel. Sometimes we think it's hard to be content when we have nothing. But I think it's actually the hardest to be content when we have a lot. So we we live in such a commercialized world that people who have a lot think we need to make our lives even easier with more stuff. If only I had that. So I have a fun commercial just to Are you tired of slicing and dicing by hand and bulky slicers that clutter your countertop? Stop! Introducing One Second Slicer, the amazing food preparation station that slices, dices, chops, 
minces, and juliennes. And then serves, seals, stacks, and stores all in one compact container the size of a loaf. So maybe you're sitting there like, man, if only I had that. Life would be so much easier if only I had that, that slicer. I could slice in seconds. I could julienne like the pros. I could store it like a size of a loaf. I don't know. But when I sit there and think we can laugh about it, but that's what our world is like. That's what commercial, that's what our world is doing, is trying to sell us, we can make your life easier if only you had this, if only you did this. But it's not just items. That's one thing of content. But it also can be, if only I had this job, I would be set. If only I looked like this, my life would be made. If only I was healthier, I could do so much more. If only, if only, if only I had that. If you have an if only in your life, you will not be content. See, Paul learned that secret of being content. And that's where we land with our our very popular verse, verse 13. Let's say it together. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. See, Paul learned the secret is contentment is only found in Jesus Christ and in him alone. See, once Paul learned that he was rich in Christ, he didn't need anything else. When he was hungry, he was okay. When he was full, he was good. (laughs) There was nothing he needed in his life. He only needed Jesus Christ. So Paul, getting these gifts from the Philippian church, wrote back and basically said, hey, I am blessed that you gave me these things, but... I didn't need them. (laughs) I didn't need them because I have everything in Jesus Christ. That's the secret to being content. We see this echoed in Philippians 3, verse 8. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish so so that I may gain Christ. The translators use a pretty kind word when they say rubbish. It's really something more intense than than garbage or rubbish. But Paul is mostly talking about here is his status. Before he was a Christian, he had a high status in the Jewish community. He was pretty much respected, looked upon. He had a great job. He had a great life. He had it all. He was pretty much like a celebrity in a sense. But without Christ, he says, life was worthless. It meant nothing. To, it means nothing to him now. He's not sitting there in prison thinking about, man, if only I had that same status. If only I had this. If only I had what I had back then. That's not what he's thinking, because he has Jesus Christ. That's all rubbish. He found fullness, richness, and status, and so much more in his faith in Jesus Christ than what the world offered him. He wants to share that secret to the Philippians and to us. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I was sitting there, one passage in the Old Testament that that makes me think about it, about this. It's sort of mind-blowing. You might not have stopped and read it, but it comes from Exodus chapter 32 through 34. We're not going to go through the whole thing because that's a lot, (laughs) but I encourage you to read it when you go home. Exodus 32 through 34. Moses just came down with the stone tablets of the covenant between God and the Israelites. And when he gets down there, you might know the story. What did he find when he went down there? 
found a giant golden calf that the Israelites built and were worshiping. And in anger, he destroyed the tablets and he destroyed the calf. And then he went back to God to seek forgiveness for what the nation has done. Here we find God sort of teaching Moses at this time, but also giving him a deal. God tells Moses that I'm going to give you this land, the promised land. I will send an angel with you to help you get this land, but I will not go with you, and I will not be there. God tells Moses, you can have it all. The Israelites, you guys can have it all. I will give you that promised land, of the land of milk and honey. I will give you everything that you need, but I will not be there. Would you have taken the deal with God? You could have it all, but I will not be with you. Moses, of course, said no. And they formed a new covenant between God and the Israelites and the new stone tablets. But in that, they were able to build the tabernacle and the Ark of the Covenant, and they carried that stuff around to show God's with us. We're not on this on our own, because if we did this on our own, it would be worthless. It'd be rubbish. God is the most important thing to the Israelites and Moses. God was the most important thing to Paul. And that's what Paul was trying to teach the Philippians. Moses, just like Paul, had to learn in a crazy situation. God was teaching them. Everything in this life is garbage if God is not with you. So maybe you're here and God's not with you. Today is a good day to learn what a relationship with Jesus Christ is like. Come talk with me, one of the elders, maybe a close friend that, that, that's with Jesus Christ about how to have this relationship with him, how to have this life with him. So Paul was in prison. He was barely able, he barely had enough food to survive. He had pretty much one clo- piece of clothing that barely would count as decent. He was chained with heavy rust. He was beaten I don't know how often, but he was beaten. And he tells the Philippians, in this situation, I'm content. I have everything I need because I have Jesus Christ. God was going to help him through this life, and that was good enough for Paul, and that's good enough for me. If you want to learn the secret that Paul learned, then ask God to help you be content. But don't be surprised if... God's going to teach you through situations that you learn through the Manthano experience, through practice in your life to be content. Can you be content when the stock market crashes? Can you be content if you get the coronavirus or the fear of it spreading? Can you be content when life crumbles all around you? Can you be content in the job you have? Can you be content in the house you live in? in the healthier in, the way you look, in your status. The list can go on and on and on. Can you be content with just Jesus Christ? Paul was, and if you have Christ, you can learn to be content and be filled with the same joy we see Paul in prison that we read in the Philippians letter. So here's the last lesson God has for us today. Verse 14. Nevertheless, you have done well to share with me in my affliction. So Paul's not condemning them for giving him things because <laughs> he understands God put it on their heart to bless them. 
but he also wanted to mention, I, I, was cont- I am content with whatever happens. You know, God's going to bless me through, through giving. That's awesome. But if not, that's awesome as well. I didn't need it because I was fully content. God had given enough, the Philippians enough so that they could bless Paul in the ministries that he was involved with, spreading the gospel. So maybe in your daily time with God, you might have a person on your mind that you're praying for. Maybe you understand they're going through a situation. Maybe you can sit there and ask God, do I have an abundance (laughs) so I can bless them with my gifts, my talents, my possessions? Are you sharing their burdens through action like the Philippians? Through a youth group, we've been learning uh, the word agape. And right now we're, we're, we're learning about how to agape one another. And if you don't know, agape is one of the many words that uh, the Greeks use for love. And my definition of agape, just the biblical agape, would be unconditional sacrificial love seen through action. Because the word agape is actually a verb. It's a doing action. It's not just a feeling. Agape is unconditional. It doesn't matter what the other person did to you. It doesn't matter (laughs) your situation, their situation. It's unconditional. Just like God's love for us is unconditional. It's sacrificial. It means putting their their needs and their things over you to sacrifice some part of your life to help them out. Just like Jesus Christ sacrificed his life for us. It's an action. God so loved the world, he sent his son. He didn't just think about us and, well, that stinks that they're in sin. He sent his son. In the same way, we pray for one another. That's awesome. We should keep on praying for one another. But it shouldn't just stop there. We shouldn't just think about them. But we should actually do something. God calls us to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and to love our neighbor just as we love ourselves. That word love there is agape. God's calling us to action. Just like these Philippians were called to action to bless Paul in prison. So here's my challenge for you. Do you have, if only I had this attitude, if only I had a better job, if only if I had a house, if only I had better health. Do you have that attitude? Then ask God to teach you to be content. Maybe you are content with what you have. Then ask God, how can you spread the gospel just like Paul did in his contentment in prison? Maybe you're seeking purpose in your life. Then ask God who he wants you to bless today with your gifts, talents, or possessions. Maybe you're confused. (laughs) Maybe you don't know your gifts, talents, possessions. When I was a a senior in high school, I had that kind of question with myself. God, what am I supposed to do with my life? Where do you want me to be? I had two pathways I could choose. I could choose either to be a zoologist and work at a zoo as a veterinarian or to go into children and youth ministry. And it was coming to the deadline to turn in your application to the college. I could either apply to Ohio State University or the Crown College in Minnesota. So, of course, I asked uh, leaders in my church, like, what is your input? 
Um, a lot of them were like, man, we see so much joy when you do VBS, when you uh, teach at Awana, when you uh, do puppets at Cubbies. We see so much joy in you in doing that. We encourage you in that. And as a teenager, I was like, okay, cool. But I still challenge. <laughs> I took that and sort of over my head at that point. I was like, but I have joy at going to zoos. I love animals. I love God's creation. I can be just as effective there as I would be in ministry. And it came to a point where I asked God, God, teach me. Show me where you want me to go. And when I said amen, I got a phone call. And it was from Crown College. And it wasn't so much them asking, hey, have you turned in your application or your <laughs> for college? It was more, how can we pray for you today? What's on your mind? How can we be encouraging to you? And I took that as a message from God, almost a slap in the back of the head. Yes, I got my leaders telling me, yeah, you should go this way. But I didn't really listen. But it wasn't until God taught me. This is where I want you to go. And, f- and in my time in Crown, I got to experience a lot of things that really encouraged that calling in my life. I got to have joy <laughs> in all the different experiences. So maybe you're, you're at that point like me when I was in senior, in senior in high school. You might be, what is my purpose? What am I called to do? Well, you won't know unless you jump in and do stuff. You know, if you just sit back, <laughs> you're not going to know. When you do things like I did with VBS and stuff, people got to see the joy and said, this is where God's calling you. Go in that. You might jump in a nursery or a youth group or all the different, different ministry opportunities we have here. And someone might say, man, you have so much joy. You're really good at doing this. That's your gifts and talents that God gave you to be in that ministry. So, let's wrap with this. Again, I challenge you to ask God to help you be content. And when you are content, ask God, how should I spread the gospel in my contentment? And if you're spreading the gospel, ask God, how can I agape love my brothers and sisters in Christ with my gifts and talents and possessions you've blessed me with? That's the secret Paul has for Philippians 3 4, or 4.13. It's not, I can do everything. <laughs> my, all my plans can succeed because God gives me strength. It's more, in whatever circumstance I face, God is there with me, and he will give me strength to accomplish his will, not my will. All right, let's pray. Dear guys, thank you for today. Thank you for your message. Thank you for your love for us for strengthening us through times of craziness and times of, of just joy and happiness. I ask that you be with us. Teach us to be content. Teach us to spread your gospel message to those that need it. Teach us how to love one another. Give us strength for today. And help us glorify you in everything we do. In Jesus' name, amen.